Today's podcast is brought to you by Eggshell Light Company. For over 45 years, Eggshell Light Company has been the go-to specialty shop handling the lighting needs for all that grace the shores of beautiful Hawaii. Combining the artistic methods of the theater with the speed and efficiency of the musical touring industry, they have pioneered event lighting throughout the Hawaiian Islands. They specialize in supply of top-shelf equipment and designers for broadcast concerts, corporate, and special events. From the smallest weddings to televised concerts and the largest corporate clients, they know this is your most important event. It is their goal to make sure you feel that way. Aloha from Eggshell Light Company. Welcome everyone to another episode of LD at Large podcast. My name is Chris Lose. I am the designer relations developer at Ayrton Lighting as well as columnist for PLSN Magazine, LD at Large, the back page. I hope you guys are all listening, reading, and enjoying. I'm here today with my longtime friend who I haven't had enough time to hang out with recently, but uh, now is the best time to be reaching out to as many people as you can because we're all a little bit lonely and we could all use any sort of interaction what, whatsoever. This is my very good longtime friend, Tyler Elick. He is the lighting designer, partner, and principal at Light Switch. Thank you so much for making time today, my friend. Hey, Chris. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Looking at your uh, backlog of LDs that you've uh, talked to on this podcast, I feel honored. Like, there's some really cool names in there. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. It's, uh, I feel like I'm in a place where I've hit uh, boredom gold, where everybody is just at home. <laughs> Everybody can chat, just unprecedented. Normally to find this many people who have an hour to sit down and talk yeah. <laughs> without it being like a webinar or uh, something in LA or in Vegas, yeah. a part of LDI. Or this running is... to the next thing, yeah. Or, or start, my show starts in an hour, I have to get going. Or, yeah. yeah, I felt the same way. I've, I've had a chance to reconnect with so many people that literally I haven't talked to, like people from upstaging that I haven't talked to. I worked there in the early 2000s and I'm reconnecting with them. And family and just yes. everybody and chatting for hour or two hours and, you know, which we never had time to do before. So I think there's a lot of blessings in this quarantine that uh, maybe uh, help outweigh some of the, the downsides, yeah. Uh, yeah, reaching out to upstaging is great. They've got a lot of things going on right now. They're, they haven't uh, slowed down in the uh, keeping people busy department. They are yeah, which amazing is awesome. what they're doing. Yeah, seeing all the stuff that they're working on and seeing how busy they are and seeing how much they're helping. And it's just so awesome. And I also feel like it's good that they're not promoting this look at all this amazing work we're doing. They're just promoting it as, hey, if you need help, we have this and we're doing it at cost. And we, you know, we're keeping our people busy and we're keeping our people employed. So I think that mm -hmm. they're hitting the nail. They're doing it perfectly. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great company. I wanted to reach out to you because as you were looking through my backlog, I have a very rock and roll centric list of friends. Yeah. <laughs> uh, most of my people are touring, they're festivals, they all have clients, you know, the who and whatnot. Yeah. And I've got a, a few requests from people asking you like, hey, can you remember the corporate world? And I thought this would be a great transition to uh, get to like the, the Featherstones and the John Ingrams and stuff, I thought it would be a great time to reach out to you and say, you're one of the people who have done and very recently transferred from rock and roll to a more yeah. corporate world. Yeah, corporate. Um, now I do a lot of esports, um, a lot of broadcast stuff. 
um, which is a whole different world. And it's really interesting learning something new and, you know, that kind of whole, you know, fake it till you make it, kind of make it up. Because in the concert world, I knew nothing about color temperature. I knew nothing about, you know, balancing for camera, what backgrounds versus foregrounds, all that kind of stuff. So I'm making that all up. So, um, but yeah, a little background on me that you kind of alluded to is that I toured, uh, I toured for 12 or 13 years. Um, I went to college, didn't take a college, and uh, uh, I got into lighting in high school in theater um, and was just super interested in it. And then my junior year, somebody said they're going to college for theater. And I was like, this isn't a career. You can't, you can't make money doing this. You can't, like, this is ridiculous. This is just for fun. So, but then the more research I did, I was like, oh, there, there is actually a career in this. So, yeah, I went to Ithaca for, um, for theater, um, but knew I wanted to do concerts and concerts had always been interesting to me. And like every art project I did, it wasn't like figure drawing. It was more like drawing a concert stage or drawing the concert lighting and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, then I met Tyler Roach, who I think you know and are friends with. Um, and uh, he hooked me up with upstaging where he was working at the time. So I started working there in the summers. And then when I graduated, I got a full-time job there. And the cool thing about upstaging is they're the ones who introduced me to both the world of concerts and the world of corporate. Because upstaging would throw you on a concert tour for, you know, six months or whatever, three months. And then when you got home and you were waiting for your next concert tour to start, they would throw you on a corporate show or two corporate shows or something like that. So, because they wanted to keep you working and keep making money off you. So, so yeah, it, it was an interesting like juxtaposition and concerts and corporate in a lot of ways are so different, but at the end of the day, it's all lighting and it's all turning lights on and making them look cool and making the audience loud. And so, yeah, I think in a lot of ways it's, it's, it's one and the same, but different but both interesting to me. <laughs> um, yeah, and then I got into eSports, which is really, uh, and that's what I've been doing almost exclusively for the last five years, which is really cool because it's the rock and roll of concerts. It's the big, flashy, over-the-top lighting. It's broadcast, which is a whole other world for me that I didn't know and had to learn about. And then it's corporate because you are ultimately selling a product. You're ultimately selling uh, you know, the video game or the company or the players. Um, and then you're also theatrically storytelling the story of these players and the story of this game. So I love esports because it merges all those worlds that are my background into one. Yeah. And those are huge, right? Those they're doing arenas with those esports games. It's not, uh, yeah. it's not a ballroom or a back room anymore. No. So Overwatch League Finals, which is one of my biggest shows is, um, BlizzCon is one of my biggest shows. Overwatch League Finals is another one. That, uh, we did it at the Barclays Center in uh, Brooklyn two years ago. Last year we did it at the Philly, the uh, Wells Fargo Center in Philly. And they sell out in seconds, like literally seconds. It's just like going to, you know, Taylor Swift or Beyonce concert. You have to like jump on immediately, you know, jump on getting those tickets, yeah. When my kids are not playing video games, I should back up, <laughs> when they're not outside, they're playing video games and when they're not playing video games they're watching other people play video games <laughs> yeah. my kids will be my kids will be at one of your shows eventually they they love them they have their their fans yeah they have their i don't want to call them idols but they're they, they follow certain gamers and they they know how they're doing and it's it's a yep. new world it's a, <laughs> We used to, to we used to be told to not play video games all the time because we're going to rot our brains. But now I'm telling my kids like, no, you learn those video games. You go out and make some money, kids. Yeah, exactly. Become a professional player. Like, come on, yeah. Like, 
you shouldn't be outside. You should be inside playing video games. So yeah, but imagine yeah. the world when we were kids that people said that you you know people would watch us play video games for eight hours a day in front of our computer at home. Like that's it's a world that didn't exist even five years ago. You know. Yeah, it's just it's so interesting and. I am a long time video game, you know, I played World of Warcraft for a long time, kind of actually getting back to your original question of like, so I got married in 2004 to my husband, Jason, and uh, he was a big time World of Warcraft player, at least like, because World of Warcraft was just starting in like 2004, uh, 2005. So um, he got really into it. And then I was touring and on the road and we all know what it's like to call home and, you know, you chat with your spouse and, hey, how's it going? What do you what, what was today? Oh, I don't know. I went to work and came home and had dinner or whatever. So, and then after 15, 20 minutes, you kind of talk about everything there's to talk about. So in World of Warcraft, we were able to connect and sit for four hours together on my days off and, and chat in the game and do raids together and like, and have a, a, a shared purpose. So I think it really, I do think that video games kind of kept my marriage together while I was on the road for months and months and months at a time. Yeah. That is so romantic. <laughs> that's amazing that is uh that's how my uh my brother-in-laws that that's how they maintain their relationship they they live on opposite sides of canada but they play video games together and they're closer than they were when they lived together it's there yeah. really is a world there there is a world and it's a, yeah it's, it is a virtual world but you're still together and you're still chatting and you're still you know you can kind of be close and you, you might not have the physical person with you, but you have the virtual character in the game with you and you can be together mm -hmm. and you can go do things like fishing together and stuff like that, which it kind of sounds dumb, but I think for me that made being on the road and being married a million times easier. Now, when you, since you've switched from touring to corporate, you don't tour as much, but you mm -hmm. still, you're still constantly traveling. Yeah. Uh, are the lifestyles yeah. same, similar, different? It's different. Um, when I was touring, it was, as you well know, and everybody else probably listening knows, it's three months of being on the road. It's, it's three to six months. It's going away. It's like literally forgetting your life at home or, you know, trying not to and then coming back and everything's different and your dog has kind of forgotten about you and stuff. So um, corporate work <laughs> is being gone for a week or two at a time and then coming home and then being gone again for a week or two and then coming home and then, you know, so it's that, it's that kind of constant repetition of like going from show to show to show and you're still traveling a lot. You can get a lot more uh, airline miles because you're doing a lot more trips back and forth and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So, so yeah, I still probably spend just as many physical days gone as I did when I was touring. Um, like if you count up the number of days, but it's nice because it's broken up. Um, and I think that's what's so important is that, like, I just couldn't, I wasn't cut out for three months, four months being gone, especially as I got older. And, you know, I'm married, we don't have any kids, which I, I can't even imagine touring with, like, when people have kids. Like, I don't, I, I get, I miss my dog, like, crazy. So I can't imagine what it's like to have kids in tours. So, so I think that, that corporate is a nice mix where you still get to do lighting. You still get to hang out with those really super cool people that you love and, and, you know, your, your best friends in the world. But you, you also get to be home a lot more and see your wife or husband and, you know, be part of your family and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think, I think it, it, it makes it, it, it's much easier, I would say, for life. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'd agree. So one of the things that uh, when I switched, I switched back and forth between rock and roll and corporate as well. One yeah. of the things that was difficult to explain to my wife is that when I'm out touring, 
I'm gone longer, but I have more time to call home. Yeah. When I'm on corporate, <laughs> I'm gone less, but I have less time to call home when I'm gone. Yeah. Because it's, you know, once rehearsals are done and the tour is on, you know, you have your days off. But when you're yeah. on a corporate, there are no days off. They, if they're going to pay you to be out there, what they pay, they want you 10 to 12 hours a day. And even then when you're, then you're going to dinner, then drinks, you sleep yep. for a few hours, <laughs> you go back. Yep, uh, absolutely. Especially when you're talking about like trade shows and stuff, there is no 10 hour days. It's, there's only 10 hour days on paper. There's, it's usually yeah. <laughs> 18, 19, 20 hour days on concrete and there's no, there's rarely any Wi-Fi that you can afford. There's yep. rarely, uh, you know, to be able to sit there and chat on the phone in the middle of a trade show floor is just, it's just in bad taste. Yeah, yeah. Which is funny too because that, um, and I know it's like the the old cliche of you know like, oh, I was working on the next show during this uh, during this show, and the client came up and got mad at me, and you know the old answer is, well, when do you think I worked on your show? I worked on it during the last show, so. And it is, it is tough. And I think it's easier to kind of work on other shows when you're on tour or other projects or other, you know, like I learned Cinema 4D when I was on tour because I had plenty of time during the day. You know, you load in, set up front of house, you do some programming and you have six hours to the show or whatever, you know, so. Um, so that gives you plenty of time to do that. On corporate, yeah, you are expected to be there from literally 6 a.m. some days, most days, until probably 10 or 11 and then go back, go to sleep, and then come right back in. So it's really hard because when you have the onslaught of emails and you have the onslaught of conference calls and all this other work that you have to be doing, but you have to be so dedicated to the show that's at hand. And unfortunately, a lot of time the show that's at hand is kind of boring for you. I mean, it's really interesting for the people who are at the, at the show, but for you, it's a talking head, and he's on stage for two hours talking about whatever new medical device that you could care less about. <laughs> and yeah, but you still have to pay attention, and you still have to be engaged, and you, you know, yeah. So I, I I'm probably much like you, I've tuned into that word. You know, when you hear your own name, you know, in a crowded room, and you turn your head. Same thing with lighting. If I hear lighting, or if I hear in conclusion, or if I hear, you know, wrapping up, and then I immediately jump and uh, jump into work. Yeah. It's an algorithm that our brain just has now after. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. You, it's funny. I can sit and play SimCity on my phone and drop it and hit the, hit the next cue. Yeah. As soon as I've heard, <laughs> you know, you can hear the intonation in their voices when they're like, and, yeah. <laughs> and there's, there's always false alarms and now let's throw it up to questions. And then you're like, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, that's not, that's not, you're not, you're not ending or are you? <laughs> Nobody's going to ask you any questions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, oh, questions. I got to put up the audience slides. So I got to put up my special or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so when I was younger, I had a hard time wrapping my ego around switching from rock and roll to corporate. And it was mostly because yeah. of my, my friends. And, and I don't like talking about it too much because it's kind of egocentric. But, you know, when I'm out touring with Fleetwood Mac, you're like, oh, that's Chris Lose of Fleetwood Mac. He's the LD for Fleetwood Mac. Oh, okay. I'm, <laughs> Maybe we'll go hang out with Fleetwood Mac. I bet you he's hanging out with Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. But then when you go to like Sanofi or Genentech, they're like, oh, yep. that's Chris Lose. Uh, he, he does Genentech. You know, if you ever need yeah. medical equipment, he might know a guy who knows something about somebody else who knows a guy who does a lecture about some medical <laughs> stuff. How, how, are you, how are you dealing with that? 
That's interesting. And it's, it, it kind of feels like a industry problem to me, or I don't know how to describe it, but there's this feeling that concert touring is super sexy. And it's like, it, you are cool. You are the in thing. You are the, the, the coolest guy in the room. You're the guy who sits in the back of the bus and, you know, picks on all the little kids. If you're the concert touring guy, and if you're the corporate guy, then you're the nerd who sits in the front of the bus and listens to what the bus driver tells you and are really quiet and, you know, like, and you're the one who's getting footballs thrown at you. So there's this whole feeling that if you're not touring or you didn't tour or whatever, you're not a real lighting guy. And like, oh, you've had it easy. You just do corporate or you're kind of a sellout or, you know, stuff like that. And like, you like rode hard because like, oh yeah, I toured and we were loading out in the rain, but we loved it. And we had a show the next day and we had to load in in the morning, blah, blah. And like, there's all these war stories. And, and I, I think, unfortunately, it's really unfair to people who are doing corporate and people who have only done corporate and, and haven't done the touring thing. So I, I think they're both sexy in their own right. And, and ultimately, it, it, it all, you're still doing lighting and you're still making art and you're still making people happy and you're still performing for an audience. It's just different. So yeah, I, I hate that stereotype of, of that you're not cool unless you're touring or you're not cool unless you're, you're, you're doing that. I, I did it for 12, 13 years and, and it was cool. I did it, but I'm, I'm kind of over it now. I'm, I'm over being gone all the time, you know. One of my more popular articles in PLSN was with Rob Gibson and where mm. we had a, a long discussion about how you're not actually Tyler Elick of Bob Dylan or with Kesha or yeah. <laughs> uh, Tyler Elick of Macklemore. You're actually yeah. just, you're Tyler Elick. And mm-hmm. those are, those are just clients that you work for or work with. And they chose you based on your work ethic, not on how cool you are. Yes. You know? And it's, <laughs> It's hard to separate that sometimes as, as, a, as a person, as a human being with an ego saying like, well, my friends seem to appreciate it more when, I'm, when I work for Macklemore because they get tickets. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know? Or it's so. the cool factor. Just your friends or your spouse can be, you know, like, oh, where's your husband? Oh, he's out, uh, you know, with Macklemore. He's out with Dennis Nails right now. Oh my God. That, oh, they were my favorite band in high school and blah, blah, blah. And he like, does he meet the band? Does he know them? Does he go out to dinner with them every night? And like, yeah, he actually does. Like sometimes the band will take you out to dinner or whatever. So, you know, yeah. If you say, uh, where's your husband? Oh, he's out on a Santa Fe show right now. Oh, what's that? You know, like, Oh, okay. Oh, he's just like a boring <laughs> corporate guy, you know, or, or, or even worse. Oh, he's like an AV guy. Like, does he work for, uh, uh you know, <laughs> does he work for a hotel AV company or so? I struggle with that a lot. Um, like we're, we're one step away from just being AV guys. Like I'm, I, I am an AV guy. Like, you know, so I am that nerd in high school that, that did AV and I'm proud of it. And I love it. <laughs> yeah. I love the AV aspect of what we do. Yeah. It's, there's a lot more to it than hooking up uh, somebody's home speakers. That's for sure. That's, yeah. what, that's what a lot of people think I do. They're like, Oh, so you know how to hook up some home speakers, right? Surround yeah. sound. <laughs> No, yeah, I, I got some Hue light bulbs. Do you know how to like program them? Can you make them like change color and stuff? <laughs> being a concert guy is just being a, a, a AV guy who's just doing something different. You know what I mean? And, and you just, you don't get to have a life at home. So yeah, I don't know. I, I wish I could somehow crush the stereotype of you're not cool unless you do concerts. But uh, yeah, it's a tough one. Another one that I wasn't ready for. And if anybody's listening to, this is something that you really need to be prepared for. If you're ever going to switch from rock and roll to corporate is the daily schedule. 
by nature, <laughs> I'm a go to sleep at three in the morning, wake up around noon sort of guy, yep. which doesn't, you can pull that off at a certain level in rock and roll, but you cannot pull that off in the corporate world. The yeah. corporate world is far more wake up at 4 a.m. and get off at 8 p.m., whereas <laughs> that does not work for my schedule. Did you have to completely shift your, your sleep schedule? Yeah, so it's interesting you bring that up because this is something that I've struggled with my entire life. And um, I was sitting at a corporate show uh, and, and like, I, like my, my grandmother even took me to, to like a counselor when I was young. She's like, you sleep too late. Like, what is this? Like, wh why do you sleep so late and then go to bed so late or whatever? So, and I always thought it was just because I'm just a night person or whatever. So, um, but I read an article on something called phase delayed sleep disorder. Um, and literally started bowling as I was reading the article because I'm like, oh my God, this is me. This is like, this is what I have. And this, this article on Wikipedia is describing my thing at, at, like at length. So, and then my dad, who unfortunately passed away, uh, earlier about a month ago, but I won't get into that, um, is, uh, he would go to bed even at 79 years old, he would still go to bed about three or 4 AM and then wake up at like 11 or noon. So people are like, you're going to grow out of this or whatever. So. Um, yeah, so I kind of have an extreme. I go to bed usually around 5 or 6 a.m. And I usually get up around 1 or 2 p.m., um, which I think is really extreme. Like, I think more people are like you, which is wake up at, you know, or go to bed at like 3 a.m. And, and wake up at, at noon. So, and I think that is also normal, especially if you're an LD on a tour, because you can mm -hmm. wake up at noon and roll into load in. And people might give you sideways looks, but nobody's going to be really mad at you, so. Um, yeah, and I find that when I go on corporate shows, switching my brain to this, like waking up at 6am and working is it's, I, I deal with jet lag on every single show, because that's literally what I'm having, because I'm now going to bed when I or waking up when I normally would have gone to bed. So yeah, the whole night owl thing, it, it just fucks with me. And then it also fucks with you in the, in the pre-production side, because you're expected to answer emails really quick and be on conference calls at 9 a.m. and things like that when you're home. But I, I fall into my sleep cycle, so then I miss those early morning conference calls. Or even worse, I wake up to 50 emails and I now I'm behind and oh my God, and now I need to jump on these calls and, and all that kind of stuff. But the flip side of that, which I don't know if you've noticed or, or other people listening have, but is that I get uninterrupted time from about 11 p.m. until 5 a.m. when I go to bed. Um, and I call that deep work time or, you know, like really concentrating time because nobody's bothering you. Nobody's emailing you. Nobody's calling you. You can sit down with a plot or, you know, in Vectorworks or in Cinema4D and really just dig into what the show's going to look like and dream and think and say, oh, what if I put some Sharpies over there? What if I, you know, put these lights over here? Oh, that'd be so cool. Or I wonder how I can do that or, you know, and you don't have that constant interruption. So it's definitely both a blessing and a curse because yeah, it, it, it looks bad on the client side because I, I, I feel like I'm missing everything and I'm, I'm constantly behind with emails, but then it's, I can be so much more creative because I can just dig into to deep work late at night. So you said it was phase delayed sleep disorder. disorder. Is that what it is? That yeah, what it is? yeah okay. exactly. And it actually, so it's this, um, you're getting the same amount of sleep just at a different time that everybody else is. Correct. Yeah. So it's not insomnia because if I fall into my normal sleep cycle, I have no problem falling asleep. I start to get tired around 4.30 in the morning. By five, I'm really like, my eyes are kind of drooping. I get into bed, I fall asleep. I still get eight hours of sleep just like everybody else would. So 
it's called phase delayed because it's literally just your phase, your you know, circadian rhythm is offset from what everybody else's is. So because your your body is watching light and light is telling it, okay, the sun's gone down, you should go to bed in three hours or whatever. So instead, my body's saying, hey, the sun went down, you should go to bed in ten hours. <laughs> you know, which is which is not that is but yeah, so I don't... weird because. <laughs> The opposite of that is early risers, and that seems yeah. to be like a celebrated. They're like, oh, early, yeah. early riser, early bird early gets bird the worm. Gets the That's worm. Yep. great for you. Look at you. You're so motivated, but yep. you're doing the same thing, just the opposite way. And, that, and then people are like, oh, well, vampire or yeah. something like that. You know, you've just gone or from a, 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 whole, a wholesome told. farmer to a, <laughs> a, a night owl vampire. Yeah, exactly. And I've been called lazy multiple times and they're like, what is like, you, or, or you, like grow up or, you know, like you should just get out of bed or, you know, what's your problem or whatever. It's so misunderstood and it's just so, and I kind of hate that. And I wish that I, I feel like I'm sure I'm not the only one with this, you know? And like I said, when I started reading about it, I started crying because I'm like, no, this is what I have. Oh my God, this is it. You know, and I'm, I'm not just lazy and and people, you know, for a long time are like, oh my God, you sleep so much. You sleep like 12 to 14 hours a day. I'm like, no, I'm sleeping seven to eight hours a night. Like, just like everybody else. <laughs> just offset mm -hmm. from what you do. So yeah, it's not laziness at all. In fact, I probably work harder because of it because I'm probably trying to compensate for that feeling of, of not being an early riser. So right now in isolation, you have to <laughs> really be on that then, or are you just letting it go unfettered? So I'm wanting to go unfeathered. This is probably the first time in my life, my professional life, that I've literally been able to just get on the exact same sleep schedule and get the same amount of sleep every night. And I have literally never felt more awake and like engaged and productive, which there's nothing to really do right now. So what's there to be productive over? But like, because I'm actually sleeping a normal sleep cycle, which even if you don't have what I have, and even if you're a person who just goes to bed at, you know, midnight and wakes up at 8 a.m. I think that you still get fucked up on these shows because some shows you have to wake up, shoot, you have to wake up at 5 a.m. So I, I feel like it, maybe it's not just me, but maybe everybody's getting a lot more sleep right now and maybe everybody's sleeping a lot better. I'm not tired halfway through the day. I'm drinking way less coffee. I have one cup in the morning and that's it now. Like, I don't feel like I need, you know, monster energy or whatever to stay awake. Like I'm awake, you know, and feel good and I'm getting plenty of sleep, which is crazy i'm, I'm sure it's amazing. different when you don't have since i don't have kids <laughs> yeah i don't like your kids yeah. my on. wife my wife and i would be on a very similar schedule to you if, if we didn't have kids oh really but as you know kids just do not respect sleep at all they don't no. they don't really care they will my kids are eight now and they will just come in and they will like, hey, can I turn on the TV? I'm like, no, it's seven <laughs> o'clock. Please, please go away. Leave but, me alone. Uh, <laughs> it's weird too because my husband is on a sleep schedule that he he's more I would call normal. He goes to bed at you know he'll get into bed at like eleven thirty. He'll be asleep by midnight, and then he wakes up at eight a.m. So then he is alone in the house from eight till one p.m. when I wake up, one or one thirty or something like that, and that's like his free time to kind of do whatever he wants and then we're together for the day and then he goes to bed at 11 and then I get my free time at night so and I think also because our relationship we were together for so long when we were on the road that our relationship is kind of based on being alone a little bit and getting some alone time <laughs> yeah what a great schedule you guys really have a good balance between together and alone time yes <laughs>
and yeah, it's 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 good because like a, like yeah, we we are based on like being alone and being you know having some some kind of our own life, if you will, and kind of doing our own things mm -hmm. and having our own interests and yeah, being able to maintain that in quarantine has been great. So was it that schedule and that together and alone time that drove you from touring into the corporate world? I think it was partially that it was partially feeling always now like the oldest guy on the tour instead of the youngest guy on the tour. Um, it was to be completely honest, it was financial as well. Um, I think there's a lot more money to be made in corporate. If you do it right, you know, like on tour, you get paid your day rate, which is usually pretty good. You know, the first, when I left upstaging and based on what I was making there, and then I got offered my first day rate on Bob Dylan and they said, oh, your, your week rate is going to be, you know, X or whatever. And uh, I was, I almost dropped the phone because the rate was so high compared to what I was making upstaging. I was like, you're going to pay me how much? And you're going to pay me seven days a week, whether we're working or not. Like, yes, of course, this is insane. This is exactly what I want to do. So, but then realizing, <laughs> oh, wait, I'm not getting overtime and I'm not getting, and you still want me to wake up, you know, when you're touring as, a, as an electrician or something like that, or. Um, on some tours, you're still expected to get up at 8 a.m. And then you're still working until 2 a.m. at loadout. Um, and you don't get short turnaround. You know, you, you finish loading the trucks at 2. You take a shower. You might roll into your bunk at 3 a.m. And loading still happening at 8 a.m. the next morning, whether you're ready or not, or whether you've had enough sleep or not. So, yeah, and not being paid overtime and just kind of always being on the clock. And you might go back to your bunk and take a nap, but the radio is still going to ring and, and you're expected to answer it and you're expected to run in and fix whatever light's broken, even though you're taking a nap. Um, but on corporate, you get, mm -hmm. you get paid for every hour that you're on site. <laughs> so you start at 8 a.m. and you work until 10 p.m., you get paid. And then, God forbid, you work until 11 and then you're called at 6 a.m. Now you're in short turnaround for the next, the next day. So, um, yeah, financially, you're... Yes, as you were saying earlier, you're, you're, you're dedicated to the show. You don't get as much time to like call home or whatever, but you're making so much more money in that little block of time that you're doing shows. So yeah, it's the financial structure is just completely different. So that's not why I left because honestly what we do, and I think that probably just about anyone in our business is not in this for the money. There's, there's a lot better ways to make money. You can go be a stock worker or something like that. So um, we're in it because we love it, but you know, having a nice lifestyle helps. <laughs> buying nice things helps, you know, keeping your spouse happy because yeah. you have money, it helps. <laughs> so what do you find yourself doing from midnight to five in the morning? Are you, uh, are you going online? Are you doing, you're not doing much social media. Are you doing webinars? What's, what are you finding that uh, fills your time? Yeah. So, uh, well, there's two answers to that, which is right now in quarantine, we're, we're working on a lot of stuff, um, one of my things that I always tell young people is if you want to design lights, don't be a lighting designer. So it, which is such a backwards way of thinking of like, well, I want, I want to design lights. I want to sit behind the board and I want to create these pretty looks. And I want to think like, Oh, this is going to be blue and have a cool Sharpie like look and blah, blah, blah. But actually the life of a lighting designer is not, is not all that. And you actually don't, I can't remember the last time I got to just sit and create cool looks on a console and all that kind of stuff. So the life of a lighting designer is so much pre-production. It is, you know, coming up with budgets, working, negotiating with staff, finding staff, figuring out who's available for the show, you know, figuring out um, vendors, you know, sending out bids to those vendors, receiving the bids, all that kind of stuff, client management, you know, budgets for shows, which is terrifying. I still get terrified by budgets for shows and going over budget and forgetting things and things like that. So 
Um, and then, yeah, drafting and all that kind of stuff. So when we're in full swing work mode, I feel like 95% of my day is paperwork and conference calls and all the kind of boring stuff that's really necessary and payroll and, you know, finishing shows after they're done and collecting receipts and, uh, you know, doing expense reports and things like that, which is all just like you want to tear your hair out. But that's really what being a lighting designer is all about. Yeah, so in quarantine now, since we have no work, we still, because of like the PPP and stuff like that, I'm keeping my employees um, and we're trying as hard as we can to work on um, and, and to get ourselves ahead as much as possible. And most of that is to like create a way to like take all of our paperwork, which is all in Excel right now, and it's spread across 10 different workbooks and like you got to put the venue address in over here and then also put the venue address in over here. And then, okay, that person's working here, but they're, you know, this is the day rate they're charging, but this is the day rate we're charging the client for them. And like, and kind of combining all that. And we found FileMaker and we are, I have like become a FileMaker developer now and like taken so many online classes. And it's like, it seems something in my brain, like this, like programming and getting back to creating something and creating this FileMaker database to like take all that paperwork and all that, work that I don't ever want to do and, uh, and, and making it easier and making it more efficient. What a great way to spend the time to <laughs> stuff that you would, you hope you always have time for, but never, never oh. do. And doing receipts is like the worst thing in the world and like doing time cards. And because again, mm -hmm. like I was saying earlier on corporate, you need to track your time and the yeah. client is expecting to see what time did you clock in? What time did you clock out? What time did you take lunch? And then try to do a show where you have to hire five or six or eight or 10 contractors, keeping track of all their timesheets, keeping yeah. track of all their receipts. <laughs> yeah, you, you have to tack on an hour of work to say, this is the hour I spent tracking what I did the last seven hours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> so yeah. now you have to pay me for that extra hour because I was yeah, exactly. tracking my yeah, hours we, so much. Right. We looked into hiring an accountant or a full-time bookkeeper or something like that. So, but A, that's actually a surprisingly expensive position you have to find somebody who knows our industry and understands what we do and because you can't just hire somebody who's a bookkeeper for the mexican restaurant down the street you need to hire somebody who's a bookkeeper for shows and tours and those people mm -hmm. come at a premium because they do have a specific knowledge you know so um and also what good is a bookkeeper i'm still gonna have to turn in all my receipts to them and explain that i'm still gonna have to turn all my time cards because i they don't know when i worked i know when i worked so so yeah, what is a book you're really going to save us? And then you spend forty, fifty thousand dollars a year on that person. Why don't I make a program that can speed that up and do it all for me faster and better, and so I can hopefully have more time to do other stuff? <laughs> mm -hmm. And even if you were to spend multiple hours pre-planning that stuff, it's all going to change anyway. Yeah. <laughs> How do you deal with that? Because I know that you are you're fairly infamous for being able to lay out some beautiful spreadsheets and do lots of plans, but how do you deal with when things change? And you're always having to be thinking on your toes when the corporate world with the, in the rock and roll, the, the time frame is so quick. You just make decisions and it, and it happens. But in corporate, like you really have to, you have to plan for how many people you need to be there. Yep. And <laughs> any little changes get really expensive. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, the one thing I always tell like young people or whatever is, is plan, plan, pre-plan, like have everything figured out. So when I, as the LD, arrive on site, like that first day that I fly to work, my job is done because I've done all the pre-planning. I've drafted everything out. 
I've rendered everything out. I've talked to the client. I've probably talked to the stage manager about what the keys are going to be, gotten a script, all that kind of stuff. Um, so my job should be done at that point so that I am just kind of hanging out and I'm chit-chatting with the client and I'm shaking hands and kissing babies and I'm letting my mathematician do his job and I'm letting him load in and I'm letting my programmer like dig into the cues and what they're going to look like. He doesn't have to do a lot of thinking because I already have a script for him or a shared Google Doc or something and he can look and see, oh, Tyler wants this part to be blue and then whatever and this part to be red. So he's doing his things and then I'm available to deal with those problems that happen. So because if you don't have plans or, or a lot of times what you do is oh, I'll just figure that out on show site. How are we going to hang that trust? Uh, when we get there, we'll look at the points in the room or whatever, and we'll just, we'll figure it out. So, so in the concert world, all the people there are already being paid for the amount of time that they're, you know, they're being paid by the week or the even yeah. two weeks, but in the corporate world without pre-planning, you're calling in people and it gets really expensive. And I don't know a lot of, if a lot of people are aware of that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I think it comes down to a lack of business training or just knowing the logistics of it. Uh, how did you deal with that? Yeah. So, I mean, we all know that when you're, you know, programming a concert or whatever, you can, you can stay overnight and you can work and, you know, you might need to keep like the head of the union on or whatever, and, or, you know, maybe the department heads or whatever, but that's all kind of factored in because you're, if you have a good production manager, your production manager knows that you're going to need to be uh, working overnight and they, they factor that in their budget. So in corporate, the clients, they are not thinking about lighting or your job or nor really should they be because that's my job to think about that kind of stuff. So, but yeah, they, they want you called in at, you know, 6am and by 6.30 you need to be on headsets and we're going to start rehearsing at seven and then we're going to work rehearsals all day long and we're going to have, you know, clients back to back to back to back. A lot of times it's okay. We have 20 minutes for lunch go grab a plate from backstage and come back out to your console and we're going to have another rehearsal right away. So, and then 8am rolls around and you have this long list of notes that you haven't finished um, from all the rehearsals that day. And you need to, you need to figure out um, when to do that and the time to do that. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's really tough because you can't then tell the client, Hey, I need to spend six hours now working on all those notes. And mm -hmm. PS, we have a call at 6am. So in six hours, I need to, uh, or then I'm going to go on a short turnaround and my whole crew's going to go on a short turnaround and stuff like that. So yeah, it's a tough thing. And, and just finding that balance and, and trying to work on things as fast as you can and, and trying to update things in the moment and, you know, checking with your stage manager to make sure that, hey, if I make some major changes with you, is it really going to fuck up the person <laughs> on stage? And are they, like, if I start making a life spin because I'm, I'm programming the sequence or whatever, is that going to mess up this person? And you know, having a good rapport with the stage manager and their stage manager be like, hey, this person's a trained professional. You work ahead on, you know, tomorrow's opening session and let them just speak and let the lights all change in the flash. So, yeah, you have to utilize every single minute of your time on a corporate show because mm -hmm. exactly like you said, yeah, you can't spend six hours afterwards, like, updating those cues and finessing and, you know, all that kind of stuff, so. Mm -hmm. So, and when you're out on the rock and roll world or when you're by yourself, you take responsibility for all of that. But yeah. now in the corporate <laughs> world, you're part of a conglomerate, you're part of a, a firm. So you're yeah. representing your entire team. Uh, you're, you're completely representing light switch. Yeah. How does that, how does that affect you going from being like a lone wolf to part of a pack? Yeah. So that was a really interesting story. So I started um, Orange Light, uh, which is my old company now, 
um, in 2007. And that was just started because actually I went to apply for a mortgage and uh, the mortgage person, you know, I turned it on my to work and I had a really good, you know, uh, income at the time and, and a really good, you know, if you looked at all my income for the year, it looked really good. But he had all these 1099s and he starts importing them into his, his program and he's like, my software doesn't actually have enough physical space to import all your 1099s. And he also said, you look really risky to mortgage lenders because you look like you, you, you can't hold in a job, basically. Literally, one person asked me, like, oh, do you have trouble holding in a job? I see you jump from job to job to job. No, that's our, that's our industry. That's our career. I'm jumping mm-hmm. from job to job to job because that's what we're doing. So, um, so that spurred me to start a company and be a W-2 employee of my company. And I, you know, make a, a biweekly paycheck that's exactly the same no matter what I do. And so all that craziness is still happening where I'm jumping from job to job to job. But now it's all filtered into the company. So when you go to apply for a mortgage, you look a lot more stable. Oh, yeah, he's worked for Orange Light since 2007. Uh, his salary's always gone up by 5% every year or whatever. It's totally normal. So when I was working at Upstaging, John Featherstone, um, who I'm sure probably just about everyone listening to this podcast probably knows of him or knows his name. Um, he really, he used Upstaging a lot and kind of became my mentor because I kept getting put on shows with him as a match electrician or a programmer or something like that. So, um, and he really mentored me through the, through the lighting world. Um, and then we kind of separated, not for, not for any bad reason. It's just like, I kind of went off and did my rock and roll thing. He was still doing great at light switch and stuff like that. So, um, and then I started doing all this esports stuff and I think I started popping up on his radar as getting more into corporate and getting more into esports and doing the things that he was doing, working in kind of cross pollinating in the world that he was working in. And uh, so he asked me at some point to, um, if I would be interested in joining Lightswitch. And he, he's the one who initiated uh, joining as a partner, joining at the highest level. So, um, and I was just dumbstruck. When, you're, when your mentor, who you've been working with since you were literally nobody in this industry, asks you to become their business partner, it is just the most mind-blowing thing you've ever heard. So, um, yeah, so I joined Lightswitch about two years ago. And it, it has been a change of pace but in, I would say, only good ways. So having five other amazing lighting designers to bounce ideas off, to chat with, to especially now in this quarantine, to, you know, commiserate with and and talk about how much this sucks and talk about how we have no work, but then also kind of plan for the future. And hey, what can we do? What can we, who can we go after? Who can we, you know, what shows, what other markets do we think are going to come back? And and not being a lone wolf and not just feeling lonely and isolated and, oh my God, I have to go get all this work, you know, myself and stuff like that. So, um, but then, yeah, back to your original question is, is representing all of them. Yeah. It's a little more scary because now it's not just my name on the show. If I mess up the show, it's now looks bad on all of light switch. And that is, that is kind of scary, but so you just try not to mess up the show. <laughs> Being a part of light switch, not only do you have all the people around you and you have a pack of wolves with you, mm-hmm. but you also have all of the projects that they're attacking. So you have, yeah. you're part of the architectural world, you're part of uh, the corporate world, uh, and even, to, even still a, quite a bit of concert world in, mm-hmm. in, the, in the firm. Yeah. So that was one of the coolest, that was one of the biggest benefits of joining. And, and people ask me a lot, like, why do you join? You were, you were doing fine on your own. You were getting plenty of work and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's also that shared marketing, but also that shared knowledge base. Um, and being able to go after things that you that you weren't able to go after before because now you have this giant portfolio of all this work that these guys have been working on for 25 years. So 
and one example I use is theme park work. So I am a huge Disney fan. Like, you know, I always get the annual pass a lot of times to both parks. I probably, I would go to Disney every day if I could, but I, you know, I probably go once, once a week when I'm home. So, especially when I live in Orlando. Um, so yeah, so, and Brad, uh, who's uh, one of our partners, he is heavily invested in doing theme park work. So, so being able to kind of use him and, and help to break into that world a little bit and, and help to market towards that and also market towards like the architectural work, which I had never done before. Going into client presentations and being like, yes, I have done or we have done all this architectural work. Um, here's our vast knowledge of architectural work and being able to win the project on that. But then also, I don't have that knowledge. I've just won this architectural project. Oh my God, what am I gonna do? Oh, I'm just gonna talk to my partners and we're gonna do it together and they're gonna help me and because they have all this knowledge of the architectural world. So. So having that connection with those those guys and having that insane amount of staff knowledge and being able to share market into other fields that I've never worked in before, but I'm really interested in. That must be a whole new world. It's, you get all these extra chapters opened up to you that uh, yeah. <laughs> you know you have the, the skill set and you know you have the, the core values to do the lighting and make things pretty and apply the creativity but you yes. get so many more avenues of open to you. Like, Hey, Hey Tyler, I'm going to be doing an architectural thing, but it needs some entertainment flair. Can you help us out and add some, add some Tyler inspiration <laughs> to this project? Yeah. And that's another cool thing too, is that we're able to go after bigger, bigger projects, like a full, um, like I'll use esports for example. Um, we go after some, they're building all these brand new esports facilities because there's no good place to play esports right now that's set up, you know, you can do it in an arena, but then you have to load in the, the stage just like you would in a concert. And, you know, sometimes their budget's not that big. A theater kind of works, but again, you have to load in. So, so a lot of teams are making esports specific venues. So um, if I was a lone wolf, I could, I could probably say, hey, I'm going to go after the stage lighting for that. I'm going to create a really cool rock and roll rig over the players. And then, you know, maybe a little bit of house light or whatever and kind of set it up so it looks good on broadcast. But now that I'm part of Light Switch, we can go into the team and say, hey, yeah, we can do all the stage stuff. That's great. You know, Tyler will take care of that. But then also we do all this architectural stuff. So if you're building a brand new building, let us do the architectural for not only the theater space and the house lights and stuff like that, but the lobby. And then we also have a lot of, of experience in retail lighting. Um, Norm Schwab, who's part of our office, does a ton of retail lighting. Um, so let us help, you know, link that in. And then we have a ton of, of, of work in garden work, you know, like literally outdoor spaces and, and, um, and making those look pretty. So let us do the front of the venue, not only the outside facade, but also the garden and the lead up and all that kind of stuff. And because we're, it's one firm designing all that stuff, we'll integrate all of that so that when the team wins and inside the venue is the actual lighting turns you know, all green and white because that's their team color. The lobby also changes that color and the store changes that color. And when you leave the venue, the, the um, outside uh, landscaping is changing that color and people driving by are seen on the front of the building that their team just won because the building is flashing in this color. And it's all tied back to one system, you know, one control system or multiple that we've all interlinked. So um, that requires that's a huge really, team. Yeah, but we all we all know how to do that internally within Light Switch, and we can all you know pass ideas around and stuff like that. So where you could imagine if you were working with an architect and then their architectural lighting designer and then an extra, it it would be very tough to make that happen, and it would require countless meetings and just cost the client a lot more money. 
Yeah, I think that's one of the huge benefits of being part of LightSearch is just having, being able to, to bid on those bigger projects and pull them off. Wow, that is a lot of uh, knowledge to take in, a lot of wisdom. I really appreciate you being able to take the time and put it together so eloquently that it makes so <laughs> more sense. I would imagine that a lot of people are afraid of the corporate world because they know that it's just lots of days on the concrete floors and the trade shows, but there's so yep. much more to it than that. That's it's really refreshing yeah. to hear it uh, from a positive viewpoint. Yeah, it's fun. And, and finding the challenge, even when the work is not, um, you know, even when the work is not as exciting. Um, one, one quick story um, is when I worked for Bob Dylan for a long time, he uh, called me up on stage one day and uh, he said, hey, see all, this, uh, see all this color? And I didn't know what he was referring to. And he pointed to the backdrop, which was blue at the time. It was just in rehearsal. Um, and he's like, this, this color on the backdrop. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, yeah, get rid of that. I, I don't like that. And I said, okay, get rid of the backdrop color. No, no, get rid of, get rid of all the color. I want to do the entire show with no color. So, and I, being a young LD at the time, was, was livid. And I was like, well, what's the, no, this, you're, you hired me to create art. And now you're like telling me not to do that. And not, so what do you want me to do? Just turn on the lights and walk away. So, um, and then I kind of went outside and, and, and kind of took a deep breath and thought about it. And then I was like, no, wait, this is a really cool challenge that he just gave me. That I need to create a full concert beginning to end using only the basics of lighting, intensity, angle, you know, texture, hardness and softness, you know, maybe some variations of white. And that totally changed my, my outlook on lighting in general. Like that really changed me. So, and I kind of feel like corporate is the same way of like, it's, it's very restrictive, but that makes you a better designer because now you have to, to, to use the tools that you have to do things that are interesting and not just the like, okay, I'm going to make it a, you know, a chase with some strobe and, you know, make the light spin or whatever. So um, I think there's a lot of challenges and really cool creative things to overcome in, in the corporate world that people don't think about. That is very inspiring to hear. That makes me feel really good about <laughs> being able to tell people that like, no, there's, there's more money to be made over there and it's not bad. It's, it really is what you make of it. Yeah, it's creative. It's still cool. It's still fun. Yeah. Right on. Well, thank you so much for your time, Tyler. I really appreciate this. Hey, thanks for having me. This has been awesome.